This program is sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. Isaiah 62.1 is taken directly out of the Hebrew Scriptures when the prophet Isaiah declared, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not keep quiet, until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Your hosts for the program are Shelley and June Volk, Jewish believers burdened to see Jew and Gentile become one. Believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. Good evening to you. Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. We thank you for joining us. We're the Volks. My name is Shelley. And my name is June. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you. And if you were with us yesterday, you know the theme for this week is resurrection. And of course, we don't know if you were with us last week. The theme last week was Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. These are three of the most significant appointed times of the Lord. We spoke yesterday that the last night in Egypt for our people of Israel was the Passover evening. And the sign that kept the plague out of the homes of the people of Israel living in Egypt was the blood on the doorposts and the lintels of the door of the doors. The Lord passed over those house and preserved life. And if the blood was not on the doorposts and the lintels, we know that the firstborn in the houses of the Egyptians was killed. That was the, the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. And that that blood came from the lamb that was slain for that household. Yes. So we need to remember that, okay? And we see that um, the foreshadowing of Jesus on the cross was also seen that night, specifically regarding the lamb. It's, uh, it's even referred to in First Peter chapter 1, verses 18, 19, that we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And we need to remember that the instructions from God to the people of Israel on that last night in Egypt was to choose a lamb without blemish. Again, so the foundation we see in the Hebrew scriptures, and as Junie, you said it yesterday, Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So everything that occurred at the cross at the, for, for the Feast of Unleavened Bread and for the resurrection, there was a foundation seen in the Old Testament. We read yesterday from Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 to 14. This was, a, this was instructions that when the people entered into the land of Israel, they were to wave a sheaf offering of first fruits, which was a picture that if it was acceptable to the Lord and dedicated to the Lord, the entire harvest would be acceptable because the first fruit was was acceptable. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, listen to how Jesus is referred to. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. 
He was the first person, the only one who ever was dead, buried and resurrected, never to die again. So he was the first fruits of a tremendous harvest. And what? And who? I should say, who is that harvest? It's those believers who have given their lives over to Jesus that will physically be resurrected upon the return of the Lord. So, Junie, we see, and I want to encourage those of you who have come from a Gentile background, that the foundation of so much of our faith has been is found in the Hebrew Scriptures. There were no other Scriptures because we're going to read in First. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that Paul started the writing of that letter, the first letter to the Corinthians, by speaking of Jesus as the first fruits. So we see, to summarize, the Feast of First Fruits is an Old Testament prophetic picture of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' physical resurrection as first fruits speaks of our physical resurrection of those who are asleep in in him for the future resurrection. Because he lives, the word of God says, we shall live also. I'm sorry, resurrection is found in many different Hebrew scriptures. Just to give you an example, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. This is a very specific reference to resurrection. We read in Psalm 16, verse 10, For though, for thou will not abandon my soul to Sheol, neither will thou allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. That's a clear picture spoken by David, who is the root and the offspring of Jesus, that resurrection will, the the grave will not be able to keep Jesus uh, buried and he will not, the God will not allow the Holy One to undergo decay. A very powerful verse regarding resurrection is found in the prophet Daniel. If you see, if you read Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, listen to these words. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Powerful pictures of resurrection. We see the picture also clearly seen in Isaiah chapter 53 and in Psalm 22. So there is no doubt that some of the scriptures that Paul had in mind when he wrote his first letter to the church at Corinth, he wrote thinking of some of these scriptures. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to possibly, uh, to probably, I shouldn't say possibly, the most significant uh, portions of the New Testament that speaks about resurrection. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And again, we're going to see that Paul, who was called the apostle to the Gentiles, really had such a foundation in the Old Testament that he was free to to call. He didn't say Jesus who was resurrected, but Jesus who was the first fruits was resurrected. Okay, chapter 15 in 1 Corinthians. Let's look at the first four verses. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand by which also you are saved, 
If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Let's stop there for a second. What scriptures was he referring to? Junie, the only scriptures we had was the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. Let's go on to verse 4 in 1 Corinthians 15. And that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. I speak to those who are from a Gentile background who feel that the the New Testament started uh, in chapter 1 of Matthews. But even in Matthews, what, did it say, what does it say? The genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's a continuation. The New Testament fulfills what was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. It's very powerful according to the scriptures. So let's stay in 1 Corinthians. Yeah, Junie. And I think it's important, Shelley, to remind all listeners and even us that Jesus himself said, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Yes, Lord. And he told the Jewish people over and over again, it is written of me, or as it is written. So it's very important to see that this Lamb of God who takes away the sins yes, of the world Lord, yes, Lord. enables Gentiles to enter in to the commonwealth of Israel. And the first century church believers from the nations all knew that they were accepting the Jewish king. Hallelujah. They all knew that they were accepting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, Lord. The only true God. Hallelujah. And if we see that, Shelley, then we can pray for Israel and the Jewish people with the heart of God that their eyes might be opened. Yes. I think of what uh, Jesus said to the to the two uh, disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Powerful, Junie. All right, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are historical facts So Paul goes on to speak of witnesses of his resurrection. Let's go to verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, verse 6. And that he appeared to more than the 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Verse 7. And he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And then listen to what Paul says in verse 8. And last of all, as it were to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. You remember when this happened? We see it in the book of Acts chapter 9. When Paul was going to crucify or bring back to Jerusalem those Jews who accepted Jesus as Messiah, he was vehemently against it. And yet he was struck down on the road to Damascus 
And he looked up and said, Lord, who are you? And Jesus said, I am, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And the very next words out of Paul's mouth was, Lord, what would you have for me to do? That was a dramatic conversion. Even though Paul was a, a the apostle to the Gentiles, wherever he traveled on his missionary journey, he always stopped at a synagogue or met Jewish people first. And we, Shelley, are his witnesses. Yes, Lord. Thank you, and Lord. he changed your life and my life, and he came to us and showed himself to us, not only personally in meeting us in a visitation, but through the word of God, that he is our Messiah. Thank you, Lord. He is the son of God. He is the king of the Jews, and he's coming again as king of kings and lord of lords. And he told our people to go and make disciples of all nations and to teach them what I, the Lord, have taught you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, may we be witnesses. It might not be an eyewitness, but our lives should be a witness and a testimony that we serve a living God, the Messiah for the Jewish people and the Redeemer and the Savior of all the world. And we thank you and praise you in Yeshua's holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this evening. If you would like to get in touch with Shelley and June, you can write to them at P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. That's P.O. Box 1784, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85252. And you can also contact them on their website, ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. That's ShelleyAndJuneVolk.com. Until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This program was sponsored by the Psalm 127 Fund.